In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting uh, this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, uh, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thank you, Hugo, for uh, reading God's word for us. Let us pray. Dear God, Father of Jesus Christ, our Father, we thank you that you are the living God speaking to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, as we meditate upon your word, Give your servant that through his lips your Holy Spirit teaches us. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts transformed. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The theme for the sermon of today is how hope and joy come back. We all need hope and we all long for joy. And let's be honest, in these times it's not always easy to be hopeful and joyful. For the longer perspective, we have our worries and concerns concerning the climate change. In the current situation, the COVID crisis is something we all have to do with in some ways. We struggle sometimes with our studies, or with our work, relationships. And last but not least, when you have come to live in the Netherlands, the weather can also be a bit of a struggle. The gospel message is a, is a message of hope and joy. And uh, last week we started to read the first volume of the two volumes that Dr. Luke wrote for us, wrote for the church, the gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts, books that we should take time for 
in church, but also personally, not just to read a few verses, but, you know, these are books to, to, to completely read and reread. And the more you read and ponder over what is in it, the more that's the purpose of it, uh, you will see and receive the hope and the joy that it offers. Now, it's a very happy thing that we are together today, for it's very good to do it personally, but it's also very helpful that we can read it together. And, uh, well, I also challenge you all to be involved some way in a life group, because hearing the sermon you may also have some questions and long for more explanation. And, uh, and it's good to have time together to, to go deeper and uh, to, uh, to get answers to your questions. So today uh, we have heard the passage where the angel Gabriel came to Mary and a very famous story where Mary heard that she would be the mother of Jesus, the Savior, the Lord. What a great passage did we hear today. And, as I said, theme for today is how hope and joy come back. For that is what happens if you read on, then soon you will see a very hopeful and a very joyful Mary. So next week we will hear her sing, full of joy and full of hope. And afterwards we will also see Zechariah sing, and full of the Holy Spirit and full of hope. It's interesting, by the way, to compare Luke's first volume, the Gospel, and the second volume, the Book of Acts, and to see that there are many similarities. So you may know in the Book of Acts, in the beginning, people are filled with the Holy Spirit and with hope and with joy and with power, but similar things are happening here in the beginning of the Gospel. The Holy Spirit is at work here, gives people new hope and new joy. And let's pay attention to the way how that happens, how that works. And see that it is always the same way that it goes. In Acts, in Luke, but also for us now. For mainly it has something to do with hearing the gospel message. Hearing the word. And beginning to believe what is in it. And then after having believed it, receiving the Holy Spirit and then filled with the Holy Spirit, regain the hope and regain, regain the joy. Now today we look at this story about Mary, but there is something I want to ask you attention for now and the upcoming weeks, namely uh, that we keep in mind reading the whole gospel um, who Dr. Luke had in mind when he wrote his gospel. When he wrote, I, I wanted to say another gospel, but he did not write another gospel. It's the same gospel. It's uh, the gospel according to Luke. It's another author, again, telling the same gospel story, but uh, helpful for uh, new purposes. Now, for whom did Dr. Luke write his gospel? Anyone who remembers it? His name? 
yeah, it was for Theophilus, as we remember. And last week, Brother Bob said, well, Theophilus, we do not know much about him. We even are not sure whether this is really his name or a sort of a cover name. Theophilus means God-fearer. Fearer. He's, he's a person who fears God, which indicates that this Theophilus might not have been a Jew, but someone who was attracted to the Jewish faith, who loved the God of Israel. And he had heard Christians who said, the Jewish hope has been fulfilled. The long-expected Messiah has come. And Theophilus has been taught about this gospel of God's love, about God's Son, Jesus Christ. He may have begun to believe this gospel, but... So sometimes he, he, he was very hopeful because of this gospel, and sometimes he was very happy because of this gospel. But he many times may also have felt very uncertain about it. And now Dr. Luke saw this uncertainty of Theophilus, and he did not reject Theophilus. Oh, Theophilus, you are a bad believer. You come from far, and... Be aware that it will never really be something for you. No. Uh, Dr. Luke is a doctor, and he, he wants to, to, to give cure to this problem. He, 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 he wrote his gospel as a medicine for Theophilus, that he might get certainty. Remember chapter 1, verse 4. I wrote an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So probably he's a high Roman official or so. Perhaps he lives in Rome. Who knows? Big city. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. That is the aim of the whole gospel. Now, I, I wondered how might Theophilus have felt uncertain about this new faith? Well, I could think of three ways... He might feel a bit uncertain about it. And the interesting thing is, probably Theophilus is not alone in feeling uncertain about these things. Probably we feel a bit like Theophilus, and then we are very blessed that we have this gospel, for it may not only be, have been good for Theophilus, but for us as well. First question, first uncertainty might be... Um, What's in it for me? I mean, I'm really a foreigner. I'm not raised in this faith. I'm not born in this faith. I'm not a Jew. I live far away. I'm not as holy as that Jewish people, knowing about all the customs, all the things that are expected from me. I'm so different. So first question, um, does it relate to me? Is it really for me or is it much more for, 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 for other people. Then another question. So Theophilus may have been very happy about um, the gospel, but at times he may have thought, you know, I am a well-educated Roman official, and should I attach belief, faith to stories like a virgin conceiving a son or a man who died on a Roman cross rising from the dead? Isn't this all fake fantasy, mythology? Of course. 
course it may be inspiring, but they claim it's historical. How can that be? Is it reliable? Is it true? Can I, can I trust this, uh, this message? So that's the second question. Is it a reliable message? message? And then the third question that Theophilus may have had also is, well, I live under such different circumstances than, than, than those people around Jesus. You know, I'm not a fisherman or a shepherd or, or a farmer or so. I'm, I'm living in a big city. Tomorrow I will go to my office again. I have my job, my studies. Also. So, so how is this message relevant for me living in very different circumstances? Is this message relevant or is it just futile? So again, we know from chapter 1 verse 4 that Theophilus might have felt uncertain. Does it relate to me? Is it reliable? Is it relevant? And Dr. Luke continually throughout his gospel has Theophilus in mind and people like Theophilus. And as we shall see the upcoming time, it's very helpful for reading and rereading all these wonderful chapters. You will see that our God pays attention to these questions. He wants you to be certain that it is really for you also. He wants you to be confident that this message is reliable. And he will show you in which way it is relevant for your daily life. I'm sure we will see these things the upcoming time. So let us see how this works today in the passage about Mary. Let's first look at verses 26 to 29 and see who it is uh, that is addressed. Verses 26 to 29, who it is that is addressed. Then let us look at verses 30 till 33 and see what the message is that she receives. And then let us look at verses 34 till 38 and let us see how this was relevant for her and how it is relevant for us. So who it is that is addressed, what is the message with which she is addressed and how it is relevant. So let's reread verse 26 till 29. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Who it is? If you look at verse 26, then you see here we will hear about a message from someone to someone. Now, from whom is the message coming? We might assume it's Gabriel, but in verse 26 we hear Gabriel was sent by God. So, 
when Mary listens to Gabriel, it's not just listening to a messenger, to an angel. It means you will listen to God himself. God is the one who sends the message. This is very important to pay attention to, for later on, soon, we will see there are not only angelic messengers, but there will also be human messengers, apostles, preachers of the word. However, when you listen to them, you're not just listening to a man, neither to an angel, but it is God addressing you. So, it's God. Now, to whom? Does God speak? Well, we see with the lenses uh, Dr. Luke uses, we zoom in. We zoom into a certain region, Galilee, a city, Nazareth. We zoom into the family of David, to Joseph, and to a virgin called Mary. She may have been 14, 15, or 16 years old. She, she must have been very young. That was the age when girls were betrothed to a man, which meant she would not have sex with the man, but she would be destined to marry to this man. And if she would get pregnant, if she would get a child, then this child would be legally the child of this, this, this man. So we zoom in to whom? We zoom in to... A girl. Now, in those days, girls were not too much valued. So, you might expect that uh, if God had somebody in view, that he would have in view a priest keeping all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. A man like Zechariah. Someone in Jerusalem. You might expect that such a person would be in view, and that such a person would be the receiver of God's grace. But would you expect God to address a city in Galilee? Galilee is almost on the border of the Gentile region. And is God the God of the Gentiles? Isn't he rather the God of the Jews? Would you expect God to go to someone in Nazareth? Would you expect God to go to a girl? Yes. Yes, here we see the amazing wonder of God's grace and God's election. Sometimes people think that if we speak about the doctrine of God's election, that God chooses people, then soon we will think, oh, if there is a God who elects, then, we are, then I may be excluded but if you pay attention to the doctrine of election in the Bible, then it's just the other way around. If there is a God who elects, well, then there is hope. Then I might be included. For this electing God chooses the unexpected. A girl, Galilee. When, when the priestly family of Israel failed to be faithful, well, God wouldn't reject them, but he would give them a savior. So, the message comes to, to Mary. And Theophilus might learn something of this. The ones God chooses are not the ones we would expect. And throughout the gospel, we, we will see this time after time again. Sometimes you would think the very experienced religious ones would be the chosen ones. 
The very righteous ones would be the chosen ones. The very rich ones would be the lucky ones. But throughout the gospel, you will learn it's not the way you expect it. The girls are in the picture for God. The slaves, the poor, the Gentile, the soldier, the tax collector. God's election is amazing. It's not excluding you, but because there is an electing God, you are also addressed. God's message does not only come to those whom you would expect it to come to, but it, it, comes, it comes to you too. So pay attention. God is speaking to you. He sees you. He loves you. He is addressing you. The gospel is relating to you. Now, isn't that a very hopeful message for Theophilus as well? That he may be aware that God's loving kindness is searching, finding, and including him as well. And did you see how Mary responds on the greeting of the angel? So the angel speaks of her election. He says, you are the favored one. You are the chosen one. You are in the picture of God's grace. Now, learn from Mary how to respond on, 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 on the way God addresses us. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now pay attention that there is some difference here between the way Mary responds and the way we last week saw that Zechariah responds. So these two stories are quite similar and it's good to pay attention to the differences. Uh, from Zechariah, when the angel appeared, we read that Zechariah was greatly troubled at the, at the sight of the angel. So um, Zechariah is just looking, wow, 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 this is amazing. <laughs> what does it mean? Help. Um, Mary, we learn to know here and throughout the gospel, as a girl, as a woman, who, who, who is more involved in listening. What is said here? What do these word, words mean? And it may be that Theophilus has some teaching for us here too. When we come together as a church, uh, and when we want to live as a believer in daily life, we may pay much attention to what we see, what impresses us, what troubles us, uh, what we love to see or don't love to see. But to become a believer and to grow in faith, you first and foremost need your ears. Pay attention to what is said. Our God is invisible, but our God is a God who speaks through his word, through his angels, through his ministers. And like Mary, we should ponder over what is said to us. We should focus on the word of God. That is the way we get faith and grow in faith. So to summarize it all, does the gospel relate to me, to you? You may feel far off. You may feel a great sinner. You may feel very unexperienced in the Christian faith. You may feel that you are someone far off. You may feel that you're not smart enough. You may feel that you're too young or whatever. But here we learn God's word comes in an unexpected way. He addressed Mary and so 
he addresses you. This is a word for you. Listen, pay attention for this is something for you. It relates to you. Now let's move on. Then what is the message? Verses 30 to 33. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. What is the message that comes to Mary? And what is the message that comes to Theophilus? And what is the message that comes to us today? What is it all about? Is it mythology? Is it an inspiring idea of some fantasy king loving you? Interesting, nice idea. Of course, not historical. Theophilus is familiar with mythology, with inspiring stories, but he must really be aware that the story of Israel and Israel's God is not like that. Israel is a real people today and in history. It's a real family. And David was and is a real historic king. If you read the Old Testament, this is not just a collection of mythological inspiring stories. This is the family history of Abraham's family, but in fact it is also the the family history of humanity. You know, the book of Genesis starts with Adam and Eve with the history of the universe, of humanity, of a God creating a humanity to be his image bearers, a humanity rebelling against God, sinning against God, so much trouble coming over humanity, but God making his promises, Eve, you will have a son. Abraham, you will have a son and a family. Through your historic family, blessing will come to all the nations of the earth. Abraham's family, Jacob's family, they were called to be God's priestly family. A family that would be a light and a blessing for the nations. Through this family, all the nations of the world should see Israel's God. But as you read the story, you see Abraham's family, Jacob's sons, have many troubles themselves, are sinful themselves. They fail to be the priestly people. In the time of Luke, that priestly people is still there. Remember Zechariah, Elizabeth, they are still there. But they still have the same trouble of unbelief. They need some help for that. How did God provide for help for his priestly people so that all the nations of the world would regain hope and regain joy? God said his priestly people needed a king. You can already see that in Joseph's story. One of the sons of Jacob becoming a king, blessing for the family, 
and blessing for all the hungry people? You can see that more clearly in David's story. David, a historic king, given as a savior king for his own people, and becoming a sort of great king for the nations. However, as as you may know, David failed to be really that saving king that was expected. David was also a sinner. But to David it was promised, you will have a son, a real human historic son, not a fantasy person, but somebody born in history. And this son of David will be the king whose kingdom will never end. This is the historic faith and hope of Israel. This is what they were and are looking for. Remember Psalm 72 that we sung in the beginning of this service. You could also look at Psalm 89, remembering the promises of God to David and then looking around and it seems we don't see anything of this king, anything of this kingdom. Will it ever come true? Now when the angel addresses Mary, the message she receives is, the king will soon be born of you. You will receive him so that Israel and so that the nations will have their saving king. So he will be born of her. But since he will be born, Mary will be born in a certain way of him. For her hope and her joy will come back. And not only Mary's, but for all those who come to see and believe who Jesus is. Jesus is a real man. And at the same time, son of God. He is the fulfillment of all God's promises, of the longing and expectation of the whole Old Testament. It's not just fake and fantasy. This is about history. And, and see how much attention Dr. Luke pays to show the things I'm telling you are history. So, in verses 1 to 4, he mentions eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses make the difference between mythology and history. In verse 5, he mentions history, Herod, king of Judea, and so on. So, continually, Dr. Luke will pay attention to historical details. Also, in this passage, Theophilus may have had questions about how can a virgin uh, get a baby. Dr. Luke knows the questions and he pays attention. And in that way, your confidence may grow. So, what is the message Mary receives? It is the gospel message. The Son of God, the long-expected Savior and Lord, has been born. It's historical. He is there. And we should know the same. Even though you don't see it, he has been born. He has lived among us, given his teachings, done his wonders. He died. He rose again. He is a real king reigning, although it's hidden for our eyes. You may hear his his voice and your longings, your hope, your expectations may be renewed. This was true for Mary. This is true for Theophilus. It's true for us. Now, let us pay attention to the last part of our passage, verses 34 
till 38, and to the question, how does it apply to Mary and to us? Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and, it is, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary receives an incredible message. But what if you don't see anything of it? What if it sounds very unbelievable? Now, pay attention to the difference here between Zechariah and Mary. When Zechariah hears an incredible message, he, he asks... How shall I know this? He, he, he points to the impossibility of it. He judges the message. He says, this can't be possible. By the way, that's a very unscientific approach, isn't it? So you can say, virgins can't become pregnant. We know that, so how can this be? How can we know this? Uh, it's impossible. We can judge the message. But a good scientist... He's not prejudiced. He is open for discoveries. He's open to, 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 to discover things he, he, he would never have thought that would be possible. Now, Zechariah judges it. He says, how can this be? But Mary is open for it, only she wonders, how can that be uh, since I know no man, since I am a virgin? And soon we will learn she is available but she, she wonders, how can I be involved in this? And here we learn that the message that is delivered to Mary, um, uh, as the, message, the gospel message always does, uh, creates questions. Now there are good questions to ask, and there are more problematic questions to ask. So you can judge the message, so you can, you can simply think, it's impossible. I, I, I am not open to even pondering that it could be true. Or you could be open for it, but wonder, how can I be involved? How can that be? These are very good questions. And the questions are answered by the angel, first by a clearer explanation. It will be because of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And then she also gets something that encourages her, that confirms the message. So Aunt Elizabeth will also uh, be pregnant, and that will be very encouraging for her. Now, I learned in my own life, the Lord is doing the same for us. When we begin to believe in him and trust him and wanting to follow him, the Lord will indeed encourage you. So, of course, many times we, we don't see the kingdom, but pay attention in, in some special things. The Lord shows you, I am there. Don't lose your confidence. I am there. And the result for Mary is that she says, I am available. 
And when she is available, the Holy Spirit will come upon her, and soon we hear her sing, filled with hope, filled with the Holy Spirit, and filled with joy. And may this happen to us too, that we say, I am available. That we believe it, become filled with the Holy Spirit, and become agents of hope and joy. Mary will soon be transformed. And the purpose of Dr. Luke in writing his gospel is that Theophilus will be transformed as well and that we will be transformed as well. We may think, I don't see the kingdom of God. I don't see reasons for hope and joy. I see the climate change and nothing changes. I see the COVID crisis and it seems to become worse rather than better. I see my struggles with my study, with my health, or whatever. I don't see anything is changing. I don't see it. No, perhaps you don't see anything that is changed, but God can learn you to look with different eyes. That's what Theophilus had to learn, and that's what we have to learn. When God saw Mary and chose her, this has implications for Theophilus. Tomorrow, Theophilus will be on his office again, perhaps, in Rome, for instance. And tomorrow, when he is there, the cleaner of his office may come in. Perhaps she is a 15 years old girl from another country, the girl that's not worth much in your eyes. You, you don't pay attention at all. But Theophilus, You have learned to know the God of Israel. Uh, You don't see any difference. The cleaner was there last week, and she will be there tomorrow. But once the gospel has come to you, your eyes are changed. You have learned that you are in view with God, that God is gracious for you, that he gave his son, the son of David, the son of Israel. He died on the cross for you and rose again. He loves you. Look at that girl cleaning your office. Isn't she in view with God? She might be even more in view than you, Theophilus. So honor her rather than look down at her. Theophilus, how do you look at the girl? How do you look at the poor? How do you look at the people from different nations than you? Theophilus, the gospel you received changes you, transforms you. You may say, I don't see anything around me of the gospel, but the gospel is something that transforms you so that others through you will see hope and joy that they long for. This is the way God works. He addresses us with a gospel message. This is God, this is Jesus, the living Lord who died and rose again speaking to you. Believe him, receive his mercy his grace, and be transformed. Become an agent of hope and joy. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. You are addressing us. You've not forgotten us. 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 kilometers away from the place it all happened here at Delft, but you address us. You speak to us through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through a simple messenger. Thank you so much, Lord, that there is hope and joy 
that there is history and that there is a real future, that your Holy Spirit has come. Lord, forgive us our unbelief. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may be agents of hope and joy in your world. Amen.